Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series, I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. I'm very pleased to be welcoming my guest on the podcast today, who is Hilary from Extraordinary Conceptions. Welcome, Hilary. Hi, it's great to speak with you today. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, we'll get on in a minute to uh, talking about what's happening currently around the world. But before we do, please could you give me a little bit of an introduction about you um, and your role as client relations consultant internationally and tell us a bit more about what Extraordinary Conceptions does and how you help people. Sure, yeah. As you mentioned, I'm the International Client Relations Consultant for Extraordinary Conceptions Agency. Um, Part of my role is to assist and guide our international intended parents from the UK and Europe through the surrogacy and egg donation process um, in North America. And um, Extraordinary Conceptions is one of the largest surrogacy and egg donor agencies in North America. We opened our doors in 2005, so it's been 15 years ago this year that that we opened. Our main office is in Southern California, but we have staff and satellite offices located in Canada, the UK, Europe, Mexico, South America, and you know we're continuing to grow globally. We assist both national and international intended parents, um, surrogates, and egg donors throughout the entire process of egg donation or surrogacy from pre-match to post-birth. We have one of the largest egg donor databases in the nation with over 3,500 egg donors of all nationalities and ethnicities that are located across the globe and surrogates in all states where surrogacy is legally practiced, Canada and in Mexico, which is our newest cost-effective option. We have specialized departments that are in-house and dedicated departments to ensure that proper support is in place for intended parent surrogates and our donors. Many comprehensive packages and different options and programs that are exclusive to our agency for national and international intended parents. So, So yeah, that's basically a little bit about our agency and what we do. Amazing, amazing. And we'll come on to the process um, and the cost shortly. Um, We were going to be meeting in person to record this, but clearly right now with uh, COVID-19 and the health pandemic going on around the world, um, many of us are in um, isolation. And so obviously we've had to record this over the phone. Um, So let's start talking a little bit about that and how you're helping people navigate the journey during this incredibly difficult time that none of us knew was coming. It's definitely crazy times right now globally, um, but you know we do want intended parents and surrogates and our donors to know that we are uh, fully operational. All of our staff, um, thankfully with technology and the ability to work from home, are now all working from home, um, still continuing to assist um, intended parents, surrogates, and donors throughout the entire process. Um, obviously, we, you know, 
to a point because clinics are have now been ordered to IVF centers have now been ordered to close down in the United yeah. States and um, here in the UK. So, uh, but there are still a lot of things that can be done, preliminary things in the process that can be done to initiate the process. So, um, matches we can still assist intended parents with matches for surrogates and donors. Um, consults have um, can be done over Skype for. Um, with IVF centers, and we are working closely with IVF centers to be able to do this. Um, psychological screenings can be done over Skype. It, you'd be amazed at how many things can be done over Skype. Obviously, no physical medical assessments can be completed at this time, but at least a lot of preliminary stuff, as I said, can be done um, in the meantime so that when everything returns to normalcy, cycles aren't completely put on hold or extremely delayed. We can just continue from there and get going with the cycle with you know, things already in place for the cycle. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm seeing the most in this community is people's heartbreak and apprehension of not knowing when this is going to clear up um, and when fertility treatments and help can continue. So you're right. I think having the power to do things remotely, um, at least you put your mind at ease that you're proactively doing the, you're proactively doing what you can um, during this, uncertain period where we're not able to do things face to face so that when things do normalize um everything can kick hopefully kick back into action and you're already ahead of the game in terms of starting that process exactly and that's what we want to let all of our clients old and new know that there are things that can be done now and they can still work towards their their ultimate goal of um, growing their family through surrogacy or egg donation um so yeah, we are. So like I said, we are fully open and operational right now. All of our coordinators are available and um, we can still get things kickstarted while this whole pandemic is happening. There's still things that can be completed. That's really, really good to hear. Um, and then when, mm -hmm. when things are normal um, and, you know, in the past when they were normal, um, who are the kind of people that Extraordinary Conceptions helps? Um, you mentioned a bit about where um, and how does the process work? So external conceptions, we help any person or couple who requires surrogacy or egg donation to build their family who can't, for whatever reason, carry a child on their own or use their own eggs. Um, could be for medical reasons, social genetics, or just or sexual orientation. There are many reasons why. And our programs are available to, for people nationally and internationally of all socioeconomic statuses, sexual orientation, single, married, um, basically, and anything in between that, um, we believe that surrogacy should be an accessible way of family building for everyone. So if you need a donor or surrogate to create your family, then we can help you. That's really good to hear because it's that if there was any stigma around surrogacy or, you know, people just having myths or preconceptions about it, not really knowing the reasons why people A, become a surrogate and B, why other people might need to use a surrogate. Um, it helps break some of that stigma, doesn't it, to normalize it and for people to realize that it isn't just celebrities doing it because they're worried about the way their body's going to look. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing. And I think that the more positive stories and the more people talk about their journeys and, um, you know, the more, I guess, normal 
regular people are going through this process and talking about it and the reasons why they require surrogate helps to destigmatize um, surrogacy as a whole. And people will start to realize that surrogacy, yeah, it's not just for celebrities. Um, there are many reasons why someone might require a surrogate or an egg donor to create their family and um, it's, it should be available for everybody and is available for everybody. Absolutely. Um, and and I, I'm right in thinking that your CEO um, used a surrogate himself, is that right? Yeah, it, the founder of Extraordinary Conceptions, Mario Caballero, and his wife struggled with IVF for over eight years. Um, this was 18 years ago before they um, went through surrogacy. Um, thankfully, one of their family members offered to be their surrogate and had a successful embryo transfer. And 18 years ago, they had their twins a boy and a girl um, and it actually was the inspiration for extraordinary conceptions to open its door in 2005 um, and actually Mario's wife is also in the field as well as um, an attorney at the surrogacy law center um, and she consults and does legal contracts for um, intended parents surrogates and donors who um, are going through the process as well so it is quite inspirational so absolute first-hand experience, knowing what you would want as the client, um, what would be helpful, all, all sorts of things that people who haven't experienced may not have even thought about. Exactly. And that's sort of, you know, all of our programs that we offer, exactly as you said, um, are sort of because our, you know, the founders have been through this process personally, they do know exactly what is involved in the process and how to make the process as streamlined as possible um, and to ensure that um, there's proper support for intended parents, surrogates and donors and anyone involved um, and the coordination for every cycle is streamlined because they've been through the process, they know and understand what is involved and, and um, that's sort of how our agency works and how we have developed our programs and services. And I guess it also gives it that personal touch so that the company is, you know, obviously in tune with people's emotions whilst they're navigating this process. Of course, yeah. And I mean, we have over 40 employees and, um, you know, our team is comprised of former and current egg donors and surrogates, IVF nurses such as myself. Um, so, you know, they do make a concerted effort to hire um, staff that speak different languages that have been through the process in one way or another so that, you know, our team understands what intended parents are going through as a whole and, and surrogates and donors. It's a complex process for all. So uh, we do really do uh, want to support every person involved in the process as much as possible because we do understand what, what they're going through and it is a complex process for everybody. Absolutely. Um, with that in mind, obviously one of the barriers that I've heard a lot and that you'll be used to is um, cost um, and people just assuming that uh, surrogacy in North America is out of their reach. And my understanding is that you have just um, created a new program to help lower costs for international surrogacy um, and make it more accessible. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it can help people and reduce those costs? I mean, as a team, we're always trying to come up with new ideas and ways to keep the cost down for intended parents. Um, and, you know, we understand how expensive the process can be. And in North America, um, it is expensive. There's no way to sugarcoat this. But, you know, by offering more affordable options, our hope is that more intended parents won't have to resort to going through countries that may seem to be a more financially affordable option, um, but where maybe the regulations or lack thereof 
make it more of a risky, um, make it more risky for all involved in the process. So, you know, North America is one of the more, most safe and secure destinations for surrogacy, international surrogacy. And a lot of people who require a surrogate egg donor are coming from countries where surrogacy or egg donation is prohibited or limited and therefore um, international surrogacy is their only option. So we want to be able to give these intended parents an affordable option. And, and um, so yeah, so that's why we're, we're starting to come up with more cost-effective options. Um, so for those reasons, so that intended parents don't have to seek less secure or more risky options. So one of the these programs that we've come up with is the hybrid, our hybrid surrogacy program. And, um, you know, so we understand that the laws in the several countries don't allow surrogacy or the wait time for surrogate is long, it's unpredictable. So with our hybrid surrogacy program, it allows our international clients to undergo their IVF with either their own eggs or an egg donor closer to home um, with no wait time for a surrogate match. Say which will reduce costs in terms of travel. For the intended parents, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, all of our surrogates are in the in the hybrid program are residents of the United States and citizens of the United States, and we have partnered with IVF clinics in Canada and the UK, where your the surrogate from the USA will travel to for her embryo transfer, and then after her embryo transfer, she will turn home to continue her pregnancy, all going well, and then give birth in the U.S. state where she resides. So, I mean. It would definitely minimize travel for the intended parents. So if they're from Europe or the UK and are going with a clinic in the UK, obviously that's closer to home and they're keeping the process closer to home. Um, but the surrogate, of course, will have to travel farther. But yeah. because the costs of, um, have been reduced quite significantly, it still winds up being a very cost-effective option despite the out-of-country travel costs for the surrogate. And, you know, we were able to, we, we lowered our agency costs for the hybrid program um, and the surrogate compensation is lower than our standard U.S. program. So we made some adjustments on our costs for the hybrid program as well, just to sort of uh, bring those costs down a little bit more and make it um, a, def a more accessible option for intended parents considering U.S. surrogacy options. I was just going to ask you, in terms of your, your agency, what would you say are the positives of going via an agency? Is it the fact that you kind of handhold through the process and you liaise um, with the surrogate and the intended parents to ensure that it's the smoothest process it can be? And I guess some people might feel uncomfortable doing it directly. It would just be good to know more about how you can help as an agency. Yeah, so I mean, the main role of your surrogacy agency and the main role of Extraordinary Conceptions is to assist and facilitate our intended parents in finding, you know, their surrogate or egg donor match. But, you know, we also have many other roles, which include supporting the intended parents, surrogates, and the egg donors, helping intended parents to find their fertility team, helping to coordinate your surrogate and egg donor cycle, as well as to be there as the intended parent's advocate and the surrogate's advocate and the, and the donor's advocate throughout the entire journey from pre-match to post-birth. I mean, often IVF clinics are there until around 12 weeks gestation, and at which point your surrogate would graduate to their obstetrician or midwife, and the attorneys are there for all legal matters, but your agency is the one consistent point of contact for the entire process up until the intended parents return home with their baby. Um, so you know, that is why the agency is such a, um, such a important you know, convenient, yeah, yeah, an important part of the process, exactly. 
for the intended parents, for all involved. And, it, you know, we're there to make sure everybody is protected and um, supported throughout the entire process. And um, and we re we recently did um, a quiz together um, on Fertility Help Hub with Extraordinary Conceptions, and we talked a bit about the most common myths and dis dispelling these myths and preconceptions. And um, Hilary, what would you say are the most common things that people think or might assume before they know more about surrogacy and egg donation in North America? Yeah, I mean, there are so many misconceptions and myths surrounding surrogacy um, as a whole, not just North America. I mean, I've had questions from our, you know, surrogates only in it for the compensation. Um, a lot of intended parents will come in and ask, is a surrogate going to change your mind and want to keep this baby? Um, so th those would be two questions that I get asked a lot. And what I would tell um, intended parents asking this, um, or anyone asking this, is that women become, they do become surrogates for many reasons. Um, but what we found, and I've found personally over the years, is that surrogates are usually um, motivated to help someone else in need, and that's their main motive to becoming a surrogate. Um, you know, these women that are becoming surrogates, they're, they're caring, they're selfless women, they put their bodies at risk, uh, their families on hold so that they can give this gift of parenthood to someone else who, for, you know, whatever reason, medical, biological reasons, can't carry a child on themselves. Um, and surrogates, they have no intention of keeping the child. Um, a lot of surrogates describe it as babysitting someone else's child for nine to 10 months and know that the child isn't theirs. Um, they go into this process well informed and well aware of that. And the child isn't genetically related to the surrogate. And, you know, most surrogates have already completed their families before signing on to be a surrogate. They're not doing this because they want another baby. They're doing this because they want to help someone else have a baby. And psychological screening, criminal background checks um, are all mandatory parts of the process. Legal contracts, pre-birth orders, all of these things are put into place to protect everyone involved and to limit the risks of that ever happening. So yeah, those are a couple of the, I think, misconceptions of, on surrogacy. And a, a lot of, I had those questions asked me several times and that's what I, that's how I would answer them. Because as you say, one, one of them being the thought that the surrogate might run away with the baby, as you mentioned, um, the, the main reason for surrogates doing it is to help other people. So in a gestational surrogacy arrangement, the baby isn't genetically related to the surrogate. So the embryos are created using an egg donor or the intended mother's eggs and a sperm donor or the intended father's sperm and um, transferred into the uterus of the surrogate. Um, therefore, in a gestational surrogacy arrangement, she is not related to the baby. And these are the types of arrangements and surrogates that we have on our database. I mean, there are traditional surrogacy arrangements where the surrogate mother is using her own eggs and um, the intended father sperm or a, a donor sperm, but these types of arrangements aren't as done as often. Um, and this is, these are not the types of arrangements that we coordinate at extraordinary conceptions. So the gestational surrogate is not genetically related. So we feel um, this definitely limits any sort of minimal risk that was even ever there of the surrogate wanting to keep the baby. Um, and actually, for someone to become a surrogate, um, they have to go through a lot of um, screening. Am I right? Yes, so definitely. Um, so surrogates 
need to meet several specific criteria to be to even be considered as a gestational surrogate. So, for example, women can't be on social assistance. They must be, you know, financially set to act as a surrogate for someone. Um, these women are thoroughly screened, both medically and psychologically, and as well as their partner, if there is one, and must pass all screening, go through a legal process before they even start medications in preparation for a surrogacy. Uh, home checks and background checks are also mandatory part of the process. So there is quite a significant um, amount of criteria. So yes, so the surrogates need to meet lots of criteria to be eligible to be a surrogate. Um, and in terms of communication, how much communication can the intended parents or parents have with the surrogate? So that's entirely up to uh, the surrogates and the intended parents on how much communication they'd like to have throughout the process and even beyond the process. So I mean, some intended parents and surrogates like to speak daily and others prefer less communication, uh, maybe just having updates on how the pregnancy is going or at, you know, different milestones like at an ultrasound, they, maybe they want to have an update on that or be Skyped in for that. There's no right or wrong way of doing things when it comes to communication. So as long as both the surrogate and the intended parents are on the same page, that's all that really matters. And these parts of the surrogacy arrangement are discussed prior to matching so that the surrogates and intended parents are all on the same page and to sort of to limit the risk of any communication breakdown um, down the road. And, you know, over the years, I've been in this field for almost a decade. And um, most of the time, um, I would say that intended parents communicate quite regularly with their surrogates. Um, I mean, this isn't the case for everyone. And that's absolutely fine as long as everyone's on the same page. And ultimately, we as an agency will support whatever amount of communication is comfortable for both parties. And I guess also helping work out what the birth plan is going to be in advance so that, you know, situations don't arise where they haven't been planned out. I guess it's so important to have that structure in place and have people helping that people, you know, you help people have a plan, like a birth plan, so it's all mapped out before, before the event happens. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. So everything is um, discussed prior to match so that intended parents and surrogates are all on the same page before, um, you know, starting any medications and preparation for an embryo transfer. We want to make sure, legally speaking and, um, you know, psychologically speaking, that everybody is has the same goals, um, the surrogates and the intended parents are on the same page so that we can limit um, any potential communication breakdown. Um, you know, farther down the road in the process. And, um, you know, um, at, at around seven months gestation, confirmation of the details regarding even the delivery day is reviewed and ensured that all parties are still on the same page. And those judgments are provided to the hospital before the date of delivery and to ensure that the hospital has what it needs and knows what the birth plan is and that uh, for the intended parents and surrogates when they get there. And um, in terms of mapping out the birth plan, is that something um, that the surrogates choose depending on what the doctor recommends or do, do the intended parents have somewhat a say in that? It's definitely um, a mix of both. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, the surrogate is going into this knowing that it's, it's not her baby and um, you know, these are things that are discussed, as I mentioned, prior to match so that 
the birth plan is a collaboration and of between both the surrogate and the intended parents and that everybody's on the same page and knows what the birth plan is going to be. Um, typically the surrogate is um, very open to having the intended parents sort of decide on, I mean, not medically speaking, because obviously there's things that are out of everybody's control, uh, medically speaking, you know, in terms of how the delivery is going to pan out. But as long as everybody's on the same page, um, it's, you know, that is something that the surrogate and the intended parents would discuss and would be um, put into their arrangements as well. Which you can help facilitate. Absolutely, yes. So that's part of our roles, help facilitate, as well as the attorneys for both the surrogate and the egg donor will also discuss these sorts of things before of course. Um, before the surrogate preps for transfer. And on the note of um, legalities, I know that in the UK, um, Two Dads UK are doing a fantastic job of uh, trying to get the laws changed, which obviously with everything going on at the moment um, has probably been pushed down the line. Um, but tell me a bit more about the legalities in terms of North America versus the UK, for example, and what what happens to the child once it's born? So in the UK, altruistic surrogacy is legal, um, but there are a lot of restrictions here. And, uh, you know, the wait time for a surrogate match can be quite long because of those restrictions. And um, in Canada, um, altruistic surrogacy is legal as well. Um, but it's slightly different in terms of the restrictions for the altruistic surrogacy. So, you know, agencies are allowed um, in Canada and um, there are slight differences between UK and Canada in terms of surrogacy. But in the United States, surrogacy is legal, but not in all states. So the United States is run by state law. So every state has their own rules and regulations when it comes to surrogacy. Um, some allow for commercial surrogacy, some altruistic, and some where surrogacy is strictly prohibited. And in Canada, surrogacy is legal, like I said, but only for altruistic surrogacy, meaning surrogates and donors are reimbursed for reasonable out-of-pocket expenses related to the surrogacy or for egg donors as well, for the egg donation. Yeah. But compensation yeah. is legally prohibited. So, I mean, depending on where your child is born, um, whether it's to a surrogate in Canada or the U.S., they will have your the intended parents will have the right to citizenship and a passport to that country the baby will intended parents will be named on the baby's birth certificate by either a pre-birth order or a post-birth order and intended parents will have assumed parental rights in north america whether it be canada or the u.s but intended parents should know that these rights are not automatically recognized when they return home um, which is why you know, intended parents still need to go through another legal process when they return home to assume parental rights. Um, so, you know, we definitely advise um, intended parents um, who are going through the process in North America to hire an experienced attorney in surrogacy, obviously in both the state or province the surrogate's giving birth in, but as well as in their home country so that um, when they return home with their baby, they can um, have legal rights to their child back home as well eventually yeah it's it's such a long process isn't it having to then um you, you know before this reform has um happened the fact that people have to go through this process uh, even up until the baby's six months old yeah i mean it is definitely a bit of a process but you know thankfully courts are mostly reassured here in the uk when intended parents have gone through the process in north america and the process is quite streamlined 
um, for intended parents having gone through the surrogacy process in North America, whether it be Canada or the US, um, which is reassuring because, you know, there are some other countries that intended parents go through and, you know, spoken with a lot of attorneys um, who, you know, the process hasn't been as streamlined coming back and there have been some issues with either, you know, getting their child home from that country or um, when they get back, you know, some the surrogate has to sign off on the, on the parental rights to the intended parents. What would you say is the most inspiring story or stories that you've come across um, in the 10 years that you've been working in the surrogacy world? Yeah, so that's a really hard question because everybody's story is different and, you know, there's so many inspiring stories and the more and more articles that come out and even stories of the intended parents and what they've been through personally that I've helped, um, you know, back when I was an IVF nurse um, to today on the agency side of things, um, you know, I, I do have a closer connection to the stories for the intended parents that I've helped. And there are so many inspiring stories and reasons why intended parents go through this process. But I would say the most inspiring ones are the intended parents that I've personally had the chance to help part of the process. So basically, just to summarize, there have been lots and lots of incredible stories that have ended up with a happy scenario when people have been quite through quite the journey to, to build their family or to create their family. So yeah, more and more, we're hearing so many inspiring examples of how surrogacy has helped intended parents all over the world become parents and achieve their dreams. Um, and it's slowly becoming more widely acceptable option um, of family building. I do think we have a long way to go in order to normalize it globally. But, you know, the more people that are opening up about it, and the more people that are advocating for law reforms um, in, in the different countries, I think that it'll slowly get there. And I, I think it's great what people are doing um, to sort of advocate for surrogacy and let people know that, you know, it is a great option for family building. And I think that, um, you know, the future holds good things. And I think that we're slowly getting there, slowly but surely, but things take time. And unfortunately, it's not, um, you know, legal in all countries yet, but you never know, um, you know, 10 years from now, how that could change. Completely, completely agree. Um, and I guess on that note, just to say thank you so much for that information. And amidst the um, coronavirus that we're all living through at the moment, um, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. And if anyone has any questions about when when things might resume or how they can get the pro process started now whilst we're kind of in this kind of lockdown um, downtime, then please fire them across to myself um, or to Hillary, whose details are on the Facility Help Hub website, or you can find directly yourself. Um, and she'd be only too happy to answer them and, and help you further. So thank you so much for chatting today, Hilary. And yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great, Eloise. And yes, of course, if anybody has any other questions about surrogacy or egg donation in North America, I'd be more than happy to chat with them. So please do get in touch. I really appreciate you talking to me today. It's been really nice. Wonderful. Thanks, Hilary.